Hello and welcome to RipperCast, your podcast on Jack the Ripper and the Whitechapel murders. We are pleased to bring you the guest speaker talks from the 2018 East End Conference held at the Astronomer Pub on Middlesex Street in the heart of the East End of London on the 3rd and 4th of November 2018. Tracy Ianson is a researcher and writer whose work has appeared in Ripperologist magazine and online. She's contributed important research across a wide range of topics over the last decade and will be publishing her first book about Jack the Ripper suspect, Jacob Levy, in the coming year. Her talk was entitled, Jacob the Ripper. On to our next speaker. Uh, our last talk of the day is going to be a wonderful talk. Uh, it's uh, Tracy Ianson. Uh, and Tracy, uh, has, uh, for several years, Tracy and her father Neil have been quietly researching the background of rip, Ripper suspect Jacob Levy. Uh, they ha- Tracy's had an interest in history and true crime from a very early age, and the mystery surrounding Jack the Ripper caught her interest over a decade ago. Her work on Jacob with her father Neil will be published as a book uh, early in 2019 by Mango Books. Are they here? Are they here? And. Uh, uh, Tracy was meant to be uh, assisted today by Neil, her father, but uh, sadly Neil suffered a stroke not so long ago, and so he can't be with us today. I'm sure we will wish him well uh, for a speedy recovery from there. Uh, but Tracy now is going to give us a wonderful talk. So can we please give a really warm welcome, Tracy? the 
Times newspaper on the 12th of October, then called the statement. Joseph Heimlevy of 1 Hutchinson Street, Algate, said he was a butcher. He was in the Imperial Club with the last witness, the wand, and the time when they chose to leave was half past one by the clock. It was about three or four minutes after the half hour when they left. He noticed a man and woman standing together at the corner of Church Passage, but he passed on without taking any further notice of them. He did not look at them. From what he saw, the man might have been three inches taller than the woman, who stood at five feet tall. He could not give a description of either of them. He went on to state he did not take much notice of them and he was on the opposite pavement to them. Mr. Paul Beck, in his book, Jack the Ripper, The Facts, comments that there is an inescapable feeling that Levy was being evasive. Surely one can agree. But why would a man, considered to be respected, hard-working pillar of the community, not want to aid the police in their investigations? Maybe the answer to this lies in his relationship with Jacob. It was hypothesised in the 80s that Jacob and Joseph were related, and we set out to prove this to be true uh, a few years back. To do this, we went back to Jacob's grandfather, Isaac Levy, shown in green. Uh, Isaac was born about 1770 in London, England, and he married Sarah, who was born 1777 in the Netherlands. Together, they went on to have eight children. Haim, born 1810, Esther, 1812, Elias, 1816, Moss, 1818, Joseph, 1821, Nathan, 1824, Isaac, 1825, and Elizabeth, 1826. <coughs> for now, we're going to focus on the first one, Haim, Levy. He was born 1810 in Petticoat Lane, most likely 36 Petticoat Lane, um, an address that will be in their family for the next 80 years. Isaac Levy, Hyam's father, was trading as a butcher from this address and Hyam followed in his footsteps, becoming a butcher also and on the 31st of December 1834, Hyam married Frances Napoli and they went on to have nine children. Isaac, Napoli, Sarah, Joseph Hyam, Rachel, Mordecai, Elias, Henry and Elizabeth. Here you'll notice the name Joseph Hyam Levy in blue. On 1842, this is Joseph Hyam Levy, the witness. Now we'll go back to Isaac and Sarah, and we see Hyam's brother Joseph Levy. Joseph was born in 1821 and also followed in the trade, family trade of butchering. On the 3rd of September 1848, he married Caroline Solomons, a widow, and they had a total of eight children plus two from Caroline's previous marriage. These were Rebecca Solomons, Jane Solomons, Hannah, Elizabeth, Isaac, Sarah, Abraham, Jacob, Moss, and another Rebecca. Here you'll note in red, Jacob Levy, born 1856. This is Jacob Levy, the suspect. So there is no doubt that Joseph Hyam Levy the witness who was reluctant to give any information, and Jacob Levy, the suspect, are in fact first cousins. So, as mentioned, Jacob was born in March 1856 uh, at 111 Middlesex Street, and they were at this stretch in 1861. 
the family was still there in 1871, but by now Jacob was actually a butcher, following the family tradition, at the age of 15. Uh, a few years later, tragedy struck. The family went in May 1875. Abraham Levy, Jacob's elder brother, committed suicide. A report of this shows that yesterday, Mr Humphreys, the coroner for the Eastern Division of Middlesex, received information of the death of Mr Abraham Levy, aged 22 years, carrying on the business of butcher at Whitechapel, London. Deceased had bet heavily on the derby, and on arrival of the news of the result, he appeared very desponding. At quarter past six, the derby's bedroom was found to be locked, and not at first open, he was discovered suspended by a rope. A doctor was called in, but the life had been extinct for some time. The inquest was held the following day and again recorded in the newspaper. This was Lloyd Weekly, 28th of May, 1875. On Friday, Mr Humphreys held an inquest at the Cojan Horse Middlesex Street Whitechapel on the body of Abraham Levy, aged 22, who committed suicide on Derby night. The evidence proved that the deceased the son of a butcher lived at 111 Middlesex Street. On Wednesday evening, shortly after 6pm, he left the shop and went up to his room for the purpose of dressing. Nothing being heard of him, suspicions were aroused. When one Joseph Levy, brother to the deceased, going up, he found the door locked. After repeated knockings and no answer being given, the door was burst open, where he was discovered suspended by a rope line from the neck to a nail which he had fastened to the wall. The jury returned a verdict of suicide whilst of unsound mind. Just aside, the suicide whilst of unsound mind is an important distinction for various religions, uh, as many class suicide as sin, which would mean the person was unable to be buried in consecrated grounds with family members. However, a verdict of unsound mind would mean that the person was not responsible for their actions and therefore they could be uh, buried within the consecrated grounds, which happened with Abraham. Uh, he was buried in West Ham with his family. So a few years later in 1879, Jacob married Sarah Abrahams and they were going to have eight children in total. Joseph born 1880, Isaac 1881, Louis 1882, Hannah 1885, Nathan 1887, Jacob 1888, Caroline 1889, and Moss 1890. By 1881, Jacob had moved to 11 Fieldgate Street and was working as a butcher. What's interesting to note here is in the 1881 census, his first time of being head of the household, Jacob has noted his name as Joseph which means, going back to Abraham's suicide, the likelihood was that Jacob was the Joseph who found his brother Hannah. So, I'm not sure what effect that would have. Um, between 1881 and 1886, Jacob and his family moved to 36 Middlesex Street. Jacob taken over the butchery business from his aunt Frances, his uncle Hyam, died in 1872. Things seem to be going well for Jacob at this point. He's got a wife, a family, business, a house. Um, this all comes crashing down on him when on March the 10th, 1886, 
Jacob was arrested for stealing a piece of stolen meat from his neighbour's butchery shop, Hyman Samson. Um, he was re represented by George Geiger um, from Israel Lipsky firm and Dr. Tom Spring firm. Unfortunately, it wasn't to be, and Jacob was sentenced to 12 months hard labour at Holloway Prison. However, records do show that just after a few weeks, Jacob actually ended up in Redwood Insane Asylum where <coughs> he tried to commit suicide. So we have here a handwritten note on the back of these asylum records and it shows 26th of May admitted. He is in a state of melancholy, cries without adequate cause, is very despondent from the fact he attempted suicide by strangulation at jail and that a brother committed suicide and insanity is hereditary in his family. I consider him suicidal and morose. He is in fair health and condition. Signed GA, 3rd June 1886. Part of Jacob's intake record into the asylum was observed by Warden Wade, shows that Jacob had attempted suicide by strangling, shouting, restless, and talking at night, violence incessantly talking to imaginary people. Just at the bottom there. Unfortunately, Jacob's asylum records uh, no longer exist. They were destroyed in a fire in the 80s. But we do know that he recovered sufficiently enough to be released two months early, uh, in February 1887, instead of the April. Uh, Interestingly, his neighbour, neighbour Hyman Samson, died just a few short weeks later. Just saying. Um, whilst Jacob had been in the asylum, his wife had taken over looking after the family business as well as looking after the children. Um, she may have got help with all this, which he does have a butcher as a cousin. Um, but whether Sarah was actually a butcher or she was just head, we don't know. But it looks like she looked after the business until he came back. Um, when we know he took over because his name's in the trading list of the business standards in 1888. Um, May 1888 saw Jacob's mother Caroline uh, dying. We also know that in 1888, his elder brother Isaac Levy was living in one of the buildings, Goulston Street. And around November time, his aunt Frances died. He was also by now suffering the onset of the five-year guide to neurosyphilis. It, chances are he probably started suffering this effect in 1886. And normally five years by 1891. Um, let's see. But he would have been okay physically. However, mentally, he would likely be suffering from effects, uh, out, blacking out, not being as lucid as he should have been. And eventually, all this became far too much for him to bear. Uh, and on the 15th of August, 1890, he was admitted to Stone Insane Asylum in Kent. In the Insane Asylum report, we have a deposition by Dr. James Henry Sakira of 34 Jewelry Street. He recorded he had known the patient for several years, formerly a shrewd businessman, now quite incapable of carrying on the same. 
giving wrong change back and money for things bought, says he feels if he is not restrained, he will do some violence to someone. He complains of hearing strange noises. Straight underneath this is a deposition by Jacob's wife, Sarah. She deposed that he nearly ruined her business, feeling capable of taking care of money, makes away with every penny he can put his hands on. He orders goods indiscriminately, and he is constantly taking other people's goods, carrying them off. He wanders away from home for hours without purpose, does not sleep at night, raves, and is constantly fancying someone is going to do him bodily harm. Jacob spent 11 months in the asylum, and records show he would have episodes of mania, as well as times of lucidity. However, the illness finally took its toll uh, on the 30th of July, 1891, and the final entry into his medical records show that Jacob Levy died from general paresis of the insane. He was 35 years old. So what we've learned is that Jacob was a local man who knew the area. He was a butcher with the requisite skills needed to kill and mutilate the victims. He was five foot three inches tall, according to the asylum records, the exact height given by his cousin. His brother committed suicide by hanging, and yet according to the asylum notes, Jacob told them his brother cut his own throat. Does this not seem a little odd? That he's confused such a traumatic event, and also is it just a coincidence this is the way the victims died? His mother's died just weeks before the murders began. Uh, his brother lived in Wentworth Buildings in 1888. He would aimlessly walk the streets for hours and also take people's belongings and money. And he felt he would do some violence if he wasn't restrained. So this is a basic look into Jacob and his, uh, his events. Um, our book, which will be out early next year, delves far more deeply into this uh, and also into his family and takes a look at how we can link him to almost every aspect of the case. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> so, do we have any questions? No, the neurosyphilis would have been, uh, that's the onset. Um, so it's sort of the full part of syphilis. So we've got four stages, uh, and the neurosyphilis normally kicks in towards the end. And not everybody has this five year room, but it is quite common. So late 1886 would be the onset of death. What's the, what's the most likely date of contraction? Oh. Depends. Um, again, it's all. I actually believe that he contracted it before he met Sarah, and uh -huh. um, before the marriage, because contrary to what's on the internet, these children didn't have syphilis, and if she had, if he had syphilis when he met her, they were having children practically every year. One of them would have syphilis. So it's not an absolute certainty that he would have. Transmitted syphilis to Sarah if he if he had it before they met. No, no. There's um there's contagious period around about three months, and so if he didn't have sex within that three months, then she wouldn't have it. And um, but the way they were having children, well, having sex within three months. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
How did you come across Jacob Levine in, in, in the first place? How did you find him? Um, it was actually my dad. He, it was right. his suspect fest, um, just online. He saw Mark King's um, dissertation on casework and he liked the look of it. So, so did he you thought. Why the association through Levi, the, the witness, first? Or, and um, he thought it would be or... interesting to try and find out. In Mark King's dissertation, he said how curious it was that you've got Joseph Hyde and Levy, the witness, and you've got a Jacob Levy. Wouldn't it be interesting if they were related? Um, so my dad said, I'm going to try and find out. And that was eight years ago. Okay. And it's just gone from there. Any other qu question in the back? You really emphasise the importance about his brother lived in Wentworth buildings. And for those that don't know, that is actually where the apron was left. Whereabouts in the building did uh, Jacob's brother actually live? Was it actually in that building or was it, I believe, it was the one next door? Um, not to read the book. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, yeah, um, good call. We don't actually have a photograph of Jacob Levy, um, but we have got one of his son, Lewis Levy. We decided not to put it in the book, um, so you can see it there. Um, this is him obviously later in life, but it might give you an idea of what Jacob looked like at the time. So, it's quite a bit surreal, to be honest. Um, after all these years of picturing somebody, and then you see that. It actually isn't far away from what I was picturing, which is a bit scary. Any more questions? Any? Oh, sorry. Um, you say um, you're publishing next year. Any idea when? January. End of January. End of January. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, unfortunately, with my dad suffering a stroke, um, things just got a bit mad there, so we, we did miss a deadline. So hopefully by the end of January, it should be sorted. And there'll be a bit more information in there. Did you do any interviewing of Birmingham's um, No, we decided against it because it's hit and miss. Um, some like the idea, others don't. So we feel we've got enough in the book that if they want to come forward afterwards and provide our mails, that would be brilliant. But if not, um, then totally understandable. So um, that one is. Any further questions? Can we have a really big thank you for Tristan and And that was Tracy Ianson at the 2018 East End Conference. We'd like to thank Tracy, Mark Ripper, Adam Wood, and Andrew Firth for making the release of this talk possible. We are a podcast sponsored and hosted by Casebook.org, where you'll find over 100 roundtable discussions, author interviews, and conference presentations all about Jack the Ripper. East End history and Victorian true crime. If you have any questions or comments about any of our podcast releases, you can contact us on the Casebook message boards or find us on Facebook and Twitter 
by searching for RipperCast.